As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. As Rice takes the kick and they have got it in! And it's William Saliba who wheels away in celebration! It's Saka! It's 2-0! The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Well, yesterday, the Arsenal recorded their biggest away win in the league since 1935. Remember that? Smashing West Ham 6-0 at the London Stadium. Uh, to reflect on a brilliant afternoon in East London, I'm joined by Adrian Clark and Amy Lawrence. Morning. Hello. Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> nice to see you guys. Mm. Before we get into the, the real sort of nitty gritty of uh, talking about uh, what a great afternoon it was, we did notice that some players still haven't got songs yesterday. Amy, Declan Rice hasn't got a song. Has not got a song. I mean, wouldn't it have been just a perfect time to, to wheel it out yesterday at West Ham? Well, that's exactly what I was thinking, which is why, dear listener, before we uh, started recording, we had a slightly smaller conversation about this topic and Ian took some uh, umbrage with the fact that I said it was disgusting <laughs> that Declan Rice didn't have his own song yet. And he probably, p- possibly, <laughs> rightly said that might be a bit strong. But the sentiment, the sentiment is there, which is like... This is an absolute icon of of Arsenal. And I think he's playing so well. And to be... We've heard it from players who have been there a while who, when they finally get a song, talk about how much it means to them to finally get a song. Taylor Rice knows how much he's loved, though, right? Yeah, I I know, but I mean, gosh, it would have... I just think about when certain, say, ex-Arsenal players who moved to, you know, clubs where it hurt would come back and you'd get that lot down the other end gleefully singing about whoever it was, Van Persie or Ashley Cole yeah. or this one or that one. Yeah. And that's what was in my mind yesterday, thinking it's surprising. Rice, Rice, baby, well, hasn't caught on, has it? Is that a song? It? I mean, it's not a song, I, I, if the, if the no. song isn't playing, it's quite hard to just be in the stands and go, Rice, Rice, baby. And then no, it's what true, do you do actually. for the doo It's poor. It sort of doesn't work. No. I did hear a little rumour, because it was played after he scored... 
was it against Man United very late on? Got a late goal. And uh, and it, and and there was a lot of dancing to that in the stadium um, at the Emirates. And there's a, there was a little whisper that that from somewhere on high there was a a memo uh, that went round saying, uh, "Not sure that Vanilla Ice is quite on brand." <laughs> and uh, it's not been, oh, okay. not been played again, is it? So um, no, that is true. All I right, mean, he is a man of dubious it. character. So uh, Vanilla Ice, that is not to Declan not Rice. Declan so. Rice yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we'll talk more about him in a bit. But yeah, come on, people out there who've got a bit more time on their hands, come up with something. Doesn't AI do this sort of thing for you these days? Can't you, just, can't you just stick it into some kind of program? And uh... I, do you know what? We should do that right now and see what comes out. All right. Back in the old days, like there, it wasn't uncommon to have lots of players who had the same song. I mean, this was the level of originality we're talking about. Back in '89, I think that uh, I think possibly four players in the team whose names actually scan in terms of three syllables, so you could do it: Declan Rice, Declan Rice, Declan Rice. There was Lee Dixon, Alan Smith, Paul Davis, and R- Richardson, who all had shared that song. So maybe we should bring that back. Very, very simple. The Ian Wright song's the easy one, isn't it, for Declan Rice? Really, you know, that's the easy is. one. And I never thought it suited Ben White, so maybe the answer is for him to be awarded that song. No one's keen on new Declan Rice, my lord, Declan Rice. I quite like that. Oh, no, that was Rice. for Ian Wright. Another Ian Wright song. Yeah. When we went yeah. by coach from Finsbury Park to Paris, leaving at three in the morning in 1994 in the Cup. There was a bloke in front of us who was from somewhere like Devon. He had a really, really strong West Country accent and basically <laughs> spent the whole journey. He was sat behind us going, Ian Roy, my lord, Ian Roy, oh lord, Ian Roy. That is in my head now for the yeah, rest of the day and yeah, the rest yeah. to you as well. Oh, yeah, it's been uh, in my head for 30 years, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Well, all right. We know there are a few who do still need songs. Uh, David Raya. I mean, when we get a song for David Raya, that it might take a little time, that one. By the way, we're not talking about him, which is good, right? Well, we haven't talked about him in a while, and I think that's quite positive. Uh, the other thing that happened yesterday that was amusing, I would say, aside from the entire game, uh, was uh, the West Ham fans leaving after about 35 minutes. Amy, have you left that early? I don't think I've ever left that early. I mean, no, even Chelsea away. Even Chelsea away when we got beat 6-0. I didn't Oof. leave until after five. But you know that picture that, that was shown on the on the TV and has subsequently been yeah. screenshotted with with a classic image of Martin Odegaard yeah, with the that. camera. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, that's really weird because you can see people streaming away across the two bridges and then there's this bit in the middle which almost seems like people have been kettled. That's the bar. That's the, that's the catering. Yeah. That's, they've just got the bar. Uh, oh, they're not leaving. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. I, I found no, that not all leaving. a bit. I, I was like, are they? Are they trying to contain people trying to leave? Okay, you stay. Okay, you right. stay and watch it with the rest of us <laughs> suffer like the rest of us. No. 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 They. They've just at the bar. That's the catering. Right, they all th- went. A thank bit you for early. explaining that to you. That's, that's fair enough. But. Uh, I've never, I've never left that early, and I understand. What about this idea, Adrian? Win together, lose together. I mean, I mean, how do the players feel when, when stuff like that happens? The West Ham players would have been even more demoralised, I think, to to see all those empty seats when they come out for the second half. It's like, oh, they've given up. You know, the fans have given up on us. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think 
it's each to their own. But it's easy to be moralistic and say you should stay and support the team. And, and you know, that's my view. But at the same time, if your eyes can't take it, um, I, don't, I don't blame people for leaving. <laughs> your eyes can't. My eyes, my eyes. I can't watch another Arsenal goal. That's absolutely hilarious. Anyway, um, the ones who stayed saw West Ham nil, Arsenal six. I should say, full disclosure, that I sat there before the game in my uh, living room and I said to my missus, oh, I'm not sure we've got a lot on the bench if we need them, right? And then five minutes in, when Kimi had been caught in possession a couple of times, I actually said, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not sure I like the way we started. <laughs> and then she went off to do something. She came back about 40 minutes later. She went, well, it seems to have started okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I know nothing. It was a big test, Adrian. This was a big test. Uh, that last season, we did talk about this on the pod last week, that disappointment. And... We just were imperious, weren't we? Yeah, it was brilliant. It was an astonishing sort of 35 minutes, wasn't it? Either side of half time. The movement was amazing. I think that the team selection from the manager was, was really smart because obviously against West Ham at home, we they defended their box and we didn't move them around and we didn't create enough chaos. We were too predictable, weren't we? And this game was the opposite of that, really. And I think, yeah, playing Trossard where he did was was the smartest move because West Ham didn't know what to do. And, you know, sometimes he would be there at centre forward. Sometimes he wouldn't. More often than not, he wouldn't. And then, but what I loved was the pendulum way that we played. So if he came into midfield, it was Havertz or it was Saka or it was Odegaard that just moved into that spot. There was such, um, such good movement. Interchanging of positions was was unbelievable, really. Amy, we we talked about this in the past. That, you know, why didn't Martinelli and Saka swap? There was a moment in the second half when Martinelli was on the same side. That stuff, and I've heard various pundits talk about the movement of the Arsenal yesterday. That's the way that you open teams up nowadays, right? Well, I, I mean, Adrian is the tactical guru around here, but obviously there's a lot been talked about this sort of golden square in midfield. But it does seem to have unblocked Arsenal playing in this way. And the other thing that occurs to me, and I just haven't got the experience to know if this is the case, but for that kind of early part of the season where things were a bit stodgy and low tempo and a bit hesitant, Adrian, does it take a while to learn a new idea? Football is essentially what I'm getting at because it looks like this, what Arsenal have been able to show in the last couple of games or so, is the end game of the sort of preparation that's been a little bit of a hard watch in the first half of the season where they've been trying to get maybe used to, instead of taking a second to think, where should I go? Where should I be? You know, what's my job at the moment? It's just all happening instinctively. And maybe this is sort of what Arteta has been working towards all season, or maybe they've kind of stumbled upon it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it does take time, doesn't it? To, to work out patterns of play, they don't just come out of thin air. You have no. to practice them and, and and that's what coaches are. You know, they're not coaching them how to control the ball. You know, these, these, the top level coaches are coaching uh, movements and patterns and tactics. When he goes there, you go it, here. Exactly, yeah. I mean, George Graham used to do it, you know, used to walk us through it when the ball is here you are here you are here you know and it, it, it was it's just how it works and and it it takes time for it to become instinctive and obviously we had two new players involved in the pattern didn't we in terms of Declan Rice and Kai Havertz 
So yeah, for them to get used to the new ideas, for the players around them to get used to it as well, I think it was quite important. So yeah, yeah, it takes time. But I also think they've kind of stumbled on on a better use of Havertz as well, with sort of more pushed on. Yeah, he's more comfy, isn't he? A little bit. He higher. seems more comfortable. He does. The goal difference, Amy. You know, we had a plus six yesterday. We're now the same as Man City, one less than Liverpool. I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask. We are in the title race. Aren't we? Nobody's talking about us winning the title, not really. But we're in the race, and the players believe they're in the race, don't they? Well, that's fine. Yeah, Being the that's race. enough, isn't it? That's you enough. You know, it was yeah. pretty hard last season to have that kind of ball and chain almost of being favourites you know can they do it or will they bottle it will they choke you know yeah we're not even talking in some ways it does no harm to be in the chasing pack especially for a team that sort of haven't done it before it does still seem a huge task just because of knowing what you're up against who we're up against yeah the managers the teams yeah you know Man City in particular it's hard not to have an image in your mind that they win almost all their games going in. And that's that, you know, but keeping up as much as possible and enjoying the ride as much as possible is a very, very important and and valid and noble goal, and then you see what happens. Exactly, and and don't have uh, to yeah, tell me, but yeah, no, <laughs> no, no, no tailing off. You know, this this season, we can't tail off. We have to, we have to keep it going. And if someone else beats us to to the silverware, we can accept that. We take it, take it on the chin. But very quickly before we move on completely from tactics, what I also thought was was great across the last two games is that we had two very different tactical approaches. You know, the first, the, the previous game against Liverpool with the two false nines and the, and Jorginho and Rice, that's kind of new and it was brilliant and it worked. And then this game, even though Jorginho was pretty much the man of the match, Mikel Arteta recognised this is going to be a completely different game that requires a completely different tactical approach. I only need Declan in there. And this time it was about Trossard being the nine, but really staying there and others filling the gap. And what I loved about this performance is that it wasn't just Havertz. Sometimes it was Saka. We saw that for for the pen. Sometimes it was Martinelli. Sometimes it was Havertz. It, you know, sometimes it was Havertz. Sometimes it was Erdegaard. It was it was really unpredictable. And I don't think their centre-halves had a scooby what was going on. It was great to no. see. No, it was absolutely marvellous. Martin Erdegaard, by the way, obviously we could talk about every player on the pitch. Martin Erdegaard was absolutely back to his best. Amy, when he plays like that, I mean, did he give the ball away? I'm not sure he did, actually. <laughs> he just strode about like it was the easiest game in the world for him. It's, I don't it's... think he did stride about. I think he I think he was supercharged. He was like Duracell Bunny fired in, you know, his kind of indefatigable sort of uh, perpetual motion that was going on. But I, what is incredible is that he's moving and running and, and darting about non-stop and yet the absolute precision and accuracy of those unusual passes that he's finding. Flicky passes, I just found <laughs> I just found he kept making a pass and I was like, oh, that was good. Like, almost thinking, where did he see that? Because, you know, you're watching it and you didn't, as a viewer, with a, with a bigger overview in a way than when you were on the pitch, you know, you're not seeing that pass. And he was so precise. And his, his enthusiasm was absolutely outstanding. But when you talk about being back to his best, I think that's, you know, the, the, the rocky spell that, who knows how costly it'll be in the end. It depends how close it all is. And most of those attacking players were not at their best. Odegaard was not, Saka was not, Martinelli was not, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
And I think that you looked at game, the last two games, I mean, I thought Saka was phenomenal. He was spectacular yesterday. He absolutely tormented them and really probably should have had at least another goal and was responsible for <laughs> creating, you know, a good two or three more that might have been taken. He was pretty much unplayable. And I think once you've got, yeah, once you've got a few of your main attacking players, and in this case, I think it was in particular Erdegaard, Trossard and Saka, who were on proper top of their game. That's very tough for any opponent. Now Erdegaard. It's Bukayo Saka! It's a double for Saka! It's a humiliation for West Ham! Arsenal have put five past them! On Saka, Adrian, mm-hmm. I mean, he got his 50th and 51st goal for Arsenal, also 49 assists. Basically, every other game, he either makes a goal or scores a goal, and he has done that for Arsenal in the 200 and whatever it is he's played. I mean, he does look very sharp now, and, and it's still there's still that feeling that we haven't quite seen the best of him <laughs> yet. I, mean, I don't know. It, I, 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 I wouldn't. I, I mean, this is the, if this is the best, I'm still kind of happy with it. It's, I mean, he's, such a, he's just an amazing player. Um, what I've loved in this game... I've touched on it already, is the positioning. Because when he was, earlier in the season, he was so wide. It was like, give it give it wide to Saka and he'll make something happen. And it was a little bit predictable. But think about the penalty, the position he took up, the run. And, you know, that, so that was great. But the goal as well, I really enjoyed it because Ben White hugged the touchline. And Emerson, I think, thought, Oh, yeah, I could get I get to Mark Declan Rice. I'm all over that. So he shuffles across, and really the centre half doesn't know what to do. And Saka just stays in between them. It's a b- beautiful little flicky outside of the foot pass, isn't it, from Erdegaard? And then the way that he darts inside the defender is good. But a lot of players can do that. But I just love the reverse finish. I just loved it because that isn't something he's known for. He's known for bending it far corner, isn't he? And that was emphatic. And the keeper, he just gave up, didn't he? It was like, oh, no, you've, had, you've done me here. I mean, like that. It sort of took a step and it was like, oh. I, I just loved that goal. It was beautiful. I, I loved the bravery of the penalty as well, by the way, cause especially after what happened there last season. Amy, you were going to say something then? Yeah, just, um, you know, that this, this statistic of him being the, what was it, the youngest scorer since, uh, youngest player since Frank Stapleton to hit, 50 goals or something like that. 50, yeah. A centre forward, by the way. Well, this is exactly the point. So Frank Stapleton, for those who don't know, was an absolute phenomenal battering ram of a proper centre forward. So if Saka is getting those numbers in that time, playing from wide predominantly, or even at full-back, which is where he started off, I mean, that's that makes it even more extraordinary. Quite. restrained in his celebration of a sixth goal for Arsenal but he's well and truly cut the cord with his former club now he's their hero now Declan Rice let's let's talk about Declan Rice obviously an emotional day for him Mikel Arteta said that he said he said I know how much he loves West Ham and how grateful he was for his time there he managed that with a lot of maturity and it was great for the crowd to give him the standing ovation Amy, there was a beautiful moment when he hit his goal, when he when he hit that shot and he went into the corner and there's a West Ham fan right behind the goal who started clapping. He couldn't help himself and I thought that's fair enough because I would have felt the same way 
really. They obviously loved him and they felt a bit upset. I saw a few people having a go. Uh, but at the end, certainly the ones who stayed, they gave him a lovely round of applause. And, and I sort of feel like that's done now. You know, he's, he's he had he got stick in the League Cup game when he and then the in the game at the Emirates from the away fans, and now he's done what he's done. He didn't celebrate. He was you know he, he kept it low key, and I, and I think I think he's an Arsenal player and and we all love him. And but what a goal that was! What a goal! <laughs> well, I mean those dummies, yeah, it's just absolutely <laughs> bizarre. And yeah, if you actually if you took that move and splendid isolation and you didn't know anything about the context just imagine that move is a game that's tightly balanced at nil nil or you know you're you really need a goal and Ben White plays a very respectable cutback and two players sort of almost do an after you after you and neither of them take a shot from the edge of the box if Declan Weiss hadn't did that in in the different circumstances cool there'd be some hell to pay <laughs> but uh in the event, it, it was almost like it was preordained. It was destined that they messed it up so that he could uh, have his special moment. And like you say, I think what's brilliant about it is it's over now. Uh, I think, and, I, and that's really healthy for him because I don't think as a player, it's particularly comfortable to have a kind of, a bit of an extra issue when you're playing somewhere or against somebody. You kind of need to get that other way and be grateful for the time that you had and you're happy about the past, you're happy about the present, and you're excited about the future, and that's the way it should be if you can, if you're lucky enough to have that. And set pieces, Adrian. I mean, since they came back from Dubai, he's taken, <laughs> he takes most of them, doesn't he, really? But that, mm-hmm. I mean, I, listen, the corner, the corners are great, and we've scored from a couple of them, and we will talk about the set pieces from corners and what have you, but that free kick for the third one. I just love the way he whipped that in. I, I, I can, that, that replay of him hitting that from behind and the way he put that right on the spot, didn't he? He's really yeah. good. It was unplayable. And I used that, that phrase on the day. I just said that is an unplayable cross. He's taking it on like a shot. But what I also loved is the fact that Gabriel went over to him and whispered something in his ear before he took it. So it was, it was all completely planned. They've worked on that. Um, it was. A, he's a wonderful technician. I, th- I don't think any of us really probably gave him enough credit for that. Uh, the, the, to, to, to hit the far post corner, by the way, and to to play in such a way that the keeper doesn't feel confident at coming out to get it. That that's a skill in itself. Well, word for Ben White there, by the way, who just did a tiny little nudge on the goalkeeper. Not enough for a foul, <laughs> but just enough no. to put him off. That is all part of the whole set piece routine, right? Yeah, it, look, the set pieces are a numbers game and we're very good at identifying where the opposition have their own marking setups and we basically say, well, they're going to do this. So what we're going to do is overload that area because we're going to put more players in there than they have. And we're just brilliant at it. And it, and, it, and we keep doing it over and over again. Both the goals were were basically from overload situations. It was it was brilliant, and and that goal with the celebration. I mean, he did he did amazingly not to smirk. I mean, that was, you know, to keep the straight face was tremendous. But I loved the little touch of the Arsenal badge. He did. He made sure that he did that, which I thought was was class as well. So it was, it was in a way it was the perfect way to respond to that moment from from Declan. Of course, it was perfect. He's such a class act. One more thing on the set pieces. I'll ask both of you this. 
Is there the whole thing with the set pieces now where we are such a danger from set pieces, and obviously people talk about it more and more, that even 25 yards out, so quite close to the penalty area, opposing teams will will maybe be less likely to put a tackle in because they know how dangerous we are and that gives us an extra edge. I mean, I'm just putting it out there. Amy, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know what opposing managers would be thinking in that situation. I mean, I can only think of it in terms of all the years that Arsenal came up against, you know, the Boltons and the Stokes Don't and give away so, a so on and so forth. Yeah, and it was always kind of somewhere there in the back of your mind. And and what it also did was if you did give one of those things away, which invariably happens at some point in most games, there is a, a, a little twinge of anxiety, um, no matter how prepared you are for it. What's great is that there was a point of the season where it felt like, oh, Arsenal score from set pieces, but the open play stuff wasn't happening. But if you can have the, the two weapons in your armory that's interesting it's, it's the only way Amy that we'll that we can keep up with Liverpool and City in the goal count it's the only way because if you've got no Haaland or you've got no Salah you've got no one that smashes in 25 then you've got to score 10 more goals from set pieces haven't you you know you've got to find a goal somewhere and that's why they work on it so so intently because we've got to find an edge in another way and um, Gabriel Magalhaes uh, scored the most goals from set pieces, excluding penalties, of any player in the Premier League since he arrived. 150 appearances. He's a beast coming in on the end of these, isn't he, uh, Adrian? I mean, he's he's a, a very hard to defend against. It's the aggression of it. You know, the one against Palace the other week, he obviously wanted it more. He genuinely wants to get on the end of these, doesn't he? He's hungry, yeah. He wants more and more and more. I, I love the sort of routines as well where they sort of start in an offside position, dart back and then go again. But it's the intensity, it's the explosiveness of his runs to get on the end of things that I think sets him apart from other people. Like you, like you said, you, you use the word determined. It's like, yeah, that you've got to want it. You have got to want it. And then, of course, you've got to be able to to finish it. But, but the bottom line is it always comes from the delivery. You don't score from set pieces if the deliveries are rubbish, okay? And and luckily, we've got Declan Rice, we've got Martinelli, we've got Trussard, we've got Saka that, that, that can put it... They, you know, there'll always be bad ones, but it's it's about, you know, how few bad ones can you put in in a game, really? And, and at the moment, most of the ones are on the money, which is great. I also thought it was um, good to see Saliba get one too, because I think if it's all about Big Gabby, that's great. But then, you know, people will eventually start, you know, concentrating very hard on how to watch him specifically at uh, at corners and free kicks. But if you've got another one who's also dangerous, uh, that helps too. It just feels like we've got a lot more presence from set pieces all round. And that's one of the things that's interesting about taking Declan Rice out of there and into the set piece the delivery duty, because he's another one that you would anticipate being very capable of creating a lot of havoc at the other end of the set piece. So maybe some mixing it up a bit as well, depending on the situations too. Yeah. All good. Ian Stone here with Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark on Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. 
Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. They get a handbrake off and you can see that they are more free to play. This is Handbrake Off, the Athletics Arsenal podcast. A couple of other things that happened yesterday. Ethan Wanieri got uh, got some minutes. Amy, he's built, isn't he? I mean, he's 16, but he's pretty wide. And he looked he looked good. I like the fact, Mikel Arteta said, There is something that uh, you have to learn when you're in a team, that is the trust of your teammates. And I had two things. One, the players on the bench whispering, bring Ethan in which is a great thing to hear. And the other one, when your teammates want to give you the ball all the time. If they do that, it's because they really trust you and you can only have to see how many times he, he was involved in that. So, great sign. I mean, it is, isn't it? 16 years old and on he comes. It's an incredible sign and it was really enjoyable to see him on and enjoying himself and feeling brave enough. I mean, it, about one of his first things he did was go flying into a challenge, didn't he? And... Uh, I think it was a foul and you could get cut across to the bench and sort of some of the lads were laughing almost like, you know, this kid's fearless. <laughs> and steaming in on whoever, whichever defender it was to try and win the ball. He's clearly got enormously exciting attributes and it's about looking after him, picking and choosing the right moments. And you look at someone like Phil Foden now and how much clamour there was when he was a lot younger and it felt strange that he wasn't getting more time. And you wondered if he maybe needed to go somewhere else. And the way that Man City have looked after Foden as a young player, they're reaping those rewards now. And I think that Ethan is obviously on that pathway where he has potentially all sorts of a, a, a ahead of him, a very exciting career potentially ahead of him. But those steps need, need looking after. And I think hopefully... Yes, I know. I know Arteta gets a bit of stick for not using young players more, but maybe we have to sit back a bit and hope that they know what they're doing. Yeah, um, but it certainly seems that way, Adrian. Considering, I mean, we talk about Bukayo Saka as now an established superstar, footballer, England player, and all the rest of it. He's a young player. 
Yeah, he's only 16. Um, when we should, we're should remember about, yeah. that. You know, so, you know, you don't want, in a way, you don't, you want to protect him from the limelight a little bit for a little bit longer. We don't need him at the moment. Obviously, with Bukayo, we kind of needed him at 17, 18, didn't we? But I think we can afford to, to drop him in gently. He's clearly technically good enough to be there. It's just, you know, over time, can he can he influence games like the likes of Saka can? Hopefully, hopefully he will. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing because at 16, yeah, I can't imagine, you know, I wouldn't have been anywhere near ready, I don't think, you know, for, for something like that. It's, he's obviously a very, very special talent. It's a shame in a way, really, they weren't whispering about, let's bring Ruel Walters on. I feel really sorry for him because he's had so many times on the bench, hasn't he? And Next time we're 6-0 up away from home, we can bring him on. I know. I liked your tweet. Uh, if we want to really take the piss, we'll bring Cedric on. And then he did, didn't he? I was called I Mystic Stoney by a number of people, really. He said, have you got a hotline to Arteta? Um, yeah, we can talk about that. Amy, you wanted to make one more point about when you Yeah, just, just, uh, just thinking it's interesting and useful, maybe, that he's got in his team, not just people like Saka who have that experience, experience of coming in at a very young age but also Martin Odegaard who at 16 mm, was at, at Real Madrid you know and and was playing first team football in Norway on a regular basis was an international very very young and I think is is obviously someone who's really respected and very keen to help anyone and everyone and he takes his role as captain very seriously and how beneficial for Ethan to have someone like Martin with his own journey to be able to spend some time with him and, and impart a bit of wisdom. Perfect. Perfect mentor, yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout. Quite. And and yes, uh, Moel Nenny and Cedric uh, did also <laughs> get on yesterday, which tells you how dominant we were. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, one thing about the injuries, I mean, uh, five major players, really. Two or three definite first team. Jesus, Smithrow, uh, Tommy Yasu, Zinchenko and Partey uh, not available. I said at the start, uh, Amy, about the the bench looking a bit light and I, and I still felt that. But to come through the way we did without those players, it was great. But we got another 14 games in the Premier League plus the Champions League as well. We need some of these guys to get fit again, don't we? We just we need them not only to get fit but stay fit. Stay fit, yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of the players on that list are players who seem to have recurring injuries. Really, all five actually looking at them. Yeah, because yeah, one one injury often leads to another, doesn't it? It's it's just the way it is. But yeah, ultimately, at some point, the 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 club and and the, the management have to make a decision, don't they, on these players? Are we getting enough game time out of them, or or you know, are these the players that we want to move on? to bring others in, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a ruthless business. And, and the bottom line is no one wants to be paying hundreds of thousands of pounds a week to players that, that are very rarely fit enough to start. So those players need to get fit quickly and they, they need to sort of prove that, that they can, you know, produce a run of games really just, just to be part of the future. It's, it, it's brutal, but that's how football works. When we're competing against teams like Manchester City and Liverpool, we you need a squad. We've talked about it uh, for quite a few seasons. Did you see Man City's bench by comparison? It's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. And we can talk about how they've acquired that bench, but they've got an incredible uh, depth of talent. And, and in order to compete, I think... 
I, mean, I don't think people talk enough about how brilliantly we are doing to stay with teams like Man City and Liverpool. These are just giant football teams with outstanding managers as well. AJ, I want to ask you briefly about the Arsenal women. I didn't see the game yesterday. We lost to Man City 1-0 out of the FA Cup. Is Giannis Adevel's job under a bit of pressure, do you think? I mean, with the way things have gone in the last few months. Possibly, yeah, possibly. Because... The, the, the squad is built to win the league. It's built to to win the Champions League. It's built to win the FA Cup, and and it looks like we're not going to win any of those. We're not going to win the Champions League. We're out of the FA Cup, and six points behind and, in the league. And yeah, the WSL is is looking is looking dodgy, you know. So yeah, he's under pressure. He was under pressure a little bit earlier on in the season, um, and they went. I was at the game, and they were two 0 down to Leicester, and I was sat there thinking. You know, could 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 they make a change here? Then we won the game six two, and 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 it's sort of everything was rosy up until the last few weeks. But yeah, it's the squad is is quality and and shouldn't really be you know Not getting shouldn't, shouldn't be as far away as they are. They, they've had some silly defeats. I've got to say, um, obviously, I didn't see the whole match because it clashed with clashed with yesterday's men's game. But I've watched the highlights and there was uh, a lot of chances. Uh, probably deserved to win. And there was a goal that looked over the line. We, I mean, as a club, we've had issues this season with goal line technology or lack of. Um, two goals, possibly, obviously the Newcastle one and the West Ham one, where it looked like the ball was out of play and, and we conceded. Well, on this occasion, it looked like the goalkeeper had dropped it over her goal line and then retrieved it. But there's no no goal line tech at, at Boreham Wood and... And City got away with it. So, uh, in a way, Arsenal were a little bit unlucky, I think. Yeah. Okay, let's have a song uh, before we leave you. Amy, do you have a song for us? Yeah, well, this is not a song I'm choosing, but I just want to give it a mention. I thought I would put ice, as in for the obvious rhyming uh, material, into the uh, search bar of Spotify. And after Ice Ice Baby, the next song. What's our what's our position on language here on uh, on the podcast? Uh, uh, kids, cover your ears. There's <laughs> there's some there's a, an artist. I use this term lightly called Ice Spice, and the name of the song is "Think You the Shit." Open brackets, fart. Close brackets. <laughs> anyway, I took a listen. What a name. Yeah, I'm just not quite sure it's got material uh, to be the Declan Rice song, but yeah, it, what a shock! Ice Spice seems to have an awful lot of unusually named songs, right? For anyone who may know of them, I then considered a classic "Don't Go" by Yazoo for the West Ham fans at halftime. Nice, but, nice. Uh, I like that. Would yeah, have been too late um, by then for, for most of them, to be honest. But I've, I, in the end, it was just beautifully easy. So I've gone for. Booker T and the MGs and kinda easy like. It was it was lovely. It was a very relaxed <laughs> afternoon. Adrian, what you got? Well, you know what it was. It was a beautiful day. Um, and yeah, it's a U2 song. It's a, a Premier League sort of iconic anthem, isn't it, from from the outset? So um, yeah, that's what came into my head. It was it was pretty much perfect, wasn't it? Beautiful day. It 
was um i was thinking about this i was i'm i'm obviously like everybody else i'm really starting to enjoy watching this team and waiting a week for the next game is really annoying me to be honest with you i'm glad the champions league will be back in a couple of weeks uh, so i've gone for a dex's midnight runners song seven days are too long without you baby come on back to me is the actual word <laughs> Uh, I don't want to wait until next weekend. But anyway, it's all good. Thank you very much to Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Thanks to Jay, our producer. Thank you for listening. May see some of you later if you're coming to my football show, my TNT sport football show, Football's On, which is, this week is an Arsenal celebration. We timed it pretty well, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are sold out. But if you're coming, come and say hello. We'll see you later. And um, we'll see some of you on Thursday. Have a good week. Ta-ra. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.